Welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join Pastor Ben Teefee for his message. What I love about church life is all these people are volunteers that have been ministering to us this morning from people in the car park, people welcoming us at the door, people on the sound desk and the computer making sure the words work and singers and musicians and all these guys are freely given of their time so that you could be blessed this morning and I'm sure you'll join me once again in thanking everybody who has had a role to play in our service. So thank you so much. You've just been such a blessing to us and we're very grateful to you. Thank you. But it's what Christmas is about, isn't it? It's about giving. Christmas is a time where we celebrate that God would give the human race and the very cosmos itself. It's an amazing thing to think about, the tangible effects in this world of the coming of Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a former sociology student and what that means is basically I'm unemployable from the study that I did at university. Uh, but one of the things we study in social science is we study what happens when human societies get together and what they do. And what's really amazing is the social science behind the way the world has changed because of a movement started by a teacher called Jesus Christ. And it was partially his teaching, but it wasn't just his teaching. Actually, it was his person. It was himself. The thing about Christmas is it's a celebration of a world-changing and life-changing gift that God gave to the cosmos and to you and me. And that gift is the gift of himself. You know, I don't know about you, but if I was God, I'd script the way to change the world in a completely different way from the way I find it in Scripture. I'd script it differently. I don't think I'd be born in a humble town like Bethlehem, an out-of-the-way place, a sheep station in the outback. <laughs> I don't think I'd, I'd be born there. I think I'd be born in a palace somewhere. What about you if you were scripting a way to change the world? I think I'd be born to Obama and Michelle or something like that. And I'd have CNN covered on the news. What about you? What would you do? I think I'd have the US Marines come in with their guns and their, and their tanks and I'd have the Navy come and the Air Force come and I'd have them take over the whole world by force and say, now everybody better toe the line with this new teaching. What do you think? And you're thinking, man, you're really horrible, Pastor Ben. It would be a benign dictatorship, people. Exactly like my family. And Danielle's the dictator. I, I, I don't think I'd do it in the humble way. I don't think I'd do it in the gift-giving way. I think I'd, I'm more, a little more comfortable, a little bit more at home with the shock and awe tactics of coming, having it broadcast on CNN and having it all over Facebook, having it all over Instagram. How about you? Actually, we've got a picture. I wonder if we could put the picture up. Did you see it floating around Facebook this week, the hipster Christmas? We've got a... A principle of biblical interpretation is whenever you read a Bible story, you're supposed to see yourself in the story. <laughs> and somebody uh, wonderful, probably someone reflective from Seattle, has gone to a whole new level on this one. And uh, they've done the three wise men on their segways with their Amazon Prime packages. Joseph's in his bare feet with no socks. Mary's doing a special selfie with her Starbucks latte and baby Jesus. And organic beef there with a sheep wearing a jumper and... I don't know who that shepherd is, but he's doing his online Bitcoin, I think, at the moment. <laughs> and it's funny, isn't it? Because uh, what I find interesting is no matter how commercialized Christmas gets, there's certainly a lot of advertising, isn't it? 
I saw on Facebook last night one of my friends from Melbourne. She was uh, shopping and she photographed it right next to the Christmas decorations. They've already busted out the hot cross buns in the bakery of her. You know, commercialism is just everywhere, isn't it? And what I find funny about Christmas is although it's com- increasingly commercialised, you know, now that there's a stiff competition for Santas, who's, who, who sees Santa at the uh, supermarket and shopping mall everywhere? Well, there's a global university for people to go to become Santa Claus. Did you know that? And some of the people that appear at our local places as Santa, you know, they make a hundred thousand US dollars a year. Some of them, they're very popular Santas. They know how to keep their beard white and their their hair soft. They know how to smell the right way and not be awkward when Nana brings the kids to sit on their lap and they cry or vomit on Santa's beard or something like that. There's all sorts of training Santa has to have. But you know. No matter how commercial Christmas gets, the story doesn't go away. This story that has been circulating planet Earth for thousands of years. Christmas, did you know, is the world's most celebrated festival. People from every tribe, every tongue, most printed and media-saturated languages of the world will be celebrating and broadcasting about Christmas festivities today. In most countries of the world, even countries of the world where Christianity is not a dominant religion, Christian festivals and celebrations will be happening today. Maybe spare a thought for the Christians in China that have been banned from celebrating it and banned for, hello, this is my Christmas gift. A new little child in our house. Yes, we'd love one, wouldn't we, Danielle? No, okay, no. You can't give and take away, buddy. You can't, you can't do that. <laughs> spare a thought for the people who've been banned from celebrating. And let me ask you a question. Why do governments like the Roman Empire or the Chinese government not want the Christmas message to get out? What do you think? I'll tell you why. Because this story of a God who is real, a God who is personable, a God who is in charge, and that's what the kingdom of God means. The kingdom of God, which was the primary teaching message of Jesus, can summarize his preaching and teaching in this phrase, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is within you. It is about the reintroduction of something that the world has paid a terrible price for missing. The rule and reign of the God that created it all. The God that is a God of love and grace, a God of healing, a God of justice, a God of righteousness. The God who invented humans to live together in a perfect family with him. And because we've pushed that God away generationally and for thousands of years... The world has paid a terrible price for the absence of his kingdom. But Jesus came, this baby in the manger, to grow into the king of God's kingdom, to reintroduce God's rule, his reign, his transcendent influence back into our lives. And many of us in this room today, we could testify. If we could have a cuppa with you, we could talk to you about how we've experienced the rule and reign of this God, about how Jesus is personable and real to us, the resurrected Jesus, not mythological religious Jesus. And about how that rule and reign has impacted our lives so amazingly. I love the Christmas story because it's just got a motley crew in it. It's got Mary, who's a teenager. She's pregnant, out of wedlock. And, you know, in this this day and age, in this world, that's not too, too scandalous. But in the first century world, it was incredibly scandalous for a young woman to be pregnant, out of wedlock. And when everybody wants to know, Mary, what's really going on? She says, God made me do it. And then there's Joseph. Joseph's probably far older than Mary. It was the custom in the first century world to betroth young women anywhere between 13 and 16 years old, sometimes as young as 12. So she was young and Joseph's betrothed to her. And he's ambiguous too because he himself is questioning, hang on, I'm supposed to be betrothed to this nice young girl, but now she's obviously, what's she been doing to get pregnant? 
And Joseph is so ambiguous about it that he decides, I think I'm going to cancel my marriage to this girl. And an angel appears to him and says, Joseph, you don't want to do that. She hasn't been playing up. God has been acting in history, doing amazing things, Joseph. And she has been brought to conception by the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. You should call him Jesus. And then the angel said to Joseph something which changed Joseph's mind about everything, as if an angelic appearance will do that, won't it? (laughs) I've never had one, but um, my wife sees me every day, and that's like an angelic appearance. That's called planning for later to get a little bit of extra pavlova at dessert time in payback. Joseph changes his mind. The angel says he he will be called and he starts to list the titles that Jesus will have. And in the midst of those titles, the last one, he says, he will be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel, it's a title. And in the ancient languages of the Bible, it means God with us. I want you to think about that for a second. Have a look around the room, would you? Would Would you have a look around the room and see, look at all the different types of people there are in the room. Have a look to your left. Aren't they an attractive bunch, hey? Have a look to your right. Look at that. People scrub up good on Christmas, eh? They really do. Turn the person next to you and say, this is as good as it gets. In this room, there are people from probably all the different continents of the world. There are people from many different tribes, many different ethnicities, many different language groups. There are people of all sorts of ethnicities. There are people of all sorts of educational backgrounds, people like me who studied sociology, and then people like you who are actually employable because you studied something that you can get a job out of. There's people here who've done vocational training, people who've done trades, people who own their own businesses, people who educate children, people who clean schools, people who draw on the walls at schools. And, and this is what's amazing about Christmas. You, many of us today will feast, won't we? We'll feast with friends and we'll feast with family. And we'll look around the table and we'll think, man, what a motley crew we are. What a, what a diverse bunch. We're, we're pretty different. But at Christmas, it seems like Christmas in our society functions as a great levelling, doesn't it? A levelling agent. The playing field is levelled. And in a powerful way for me, my heart is moved by the Christmas story because it's still like we can look around even in this room today. All different colour skin tones, all different dress senses. Some of you aren't wearing socks with your shoes. I am today because I'm sick of your jokes about giving me socks for Christmas. Some of you have gelled your hair or like me got up early and trimmed the grey out of your beard so you look better in the photos. Bit of moisturiser under the eyes. <laughs> and, and for thousands of years... Jesus has revealed his face to the human race as Emmanuel, God with us. It's interesting, isn't it? God, in this face of the baby in the manger, we see revealed to us the creator of the universe with. Not God against us. Not God against you. Not God away from you. Not God far from you. Not God mad with you, not God full of wrath against you, not God waiting to smite you. God with, with, with is near. Sometimes people are with you in physical proximity, aren't they? But you want to know that they're with you emotionally, that they're with you in spirit. And it's so encouraging whenever you do anything and someone says, hey, Ben, I'm with you, man. Doesn't that feel great? 
And in this face of the baby in the manger, God says to the human race, I'm with you. Well, who, who, who are you with? Them? 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 Maybe just the holy. Or maybe the religious. Maybe those who are super deserving. Maybe those who just have so much faith that they could blow up a mountainside. And the angel said, when they appeared to the shepherds, good news, glad tidings, peace on earth, and goodwill to The angel said to Joseph, God with us. Not God against us. And not God with them. And certainly not God against them. In the Christmas message, God comes with a holy invitation for us to be joined to him. For us to be joined to each other. And for us to bask in the magnificent presence of the living Jesus who is Emmanuel. God with us us. This morning, my friend, you are welcome. I'm about to close this service in prayer. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite everybody in their own way to acknowledge the presence of God, to acknowledge the presence of King Jesus in this place, not as a little baby, but as a living savior. And I'm going to invite you maybe to do something that you've never done before, which is just to say, Jesus, I honor you. Jesus, I acknowledge your kingship. God, I turn to you. Come into my life. Fill my heart. Let this Christmas spirit become spirit inside of me. You don't have to fill out a form and you don't have to give your credit card details. You don't even have to leave your seat. But I'm going to provide everybody here an opportunity just to make an acknowledgement this Christmas of King Jesus. Who's had any presents given to them today? Quite a few of us. So my Nana, she's passed away now, so I'm allowed to tell stories about her. She was famous across all of our four generations of families for being the worst Christmas gift giver. It's like she knew you intimately and researched what could be the worst possible thing to give this individual. And still, the worst gift in the history of the family folklore was the day she gave my sister, who was 18 at the time, a pink polka dot cheesecloth pinafore dress. I don't even know what a pinafore dress is, but this was a pretty bad dress according to my three sisters and now according to my three daughters and my wife and then my mum and my other aunties as well. The women in our family were universally mortified that that was a terrible choice. And so the following Christmas, my sisters and my aunties, all the women in the family, they got together and they turned that dress into a fabric pink toilet roll holder. You ever been to Nana's house and seen the toilet roll holder with the doll sticking out of it, sitting on top of the cistern of the toilet? You know, the world is just becoming a really terrible place when people can't spot that at their Nana's house anymore. If you're a Nana and you have one of them, more power to your sister. Keep the traditions going on. And so my Nana got that pink toilet roll cover and she gushed for an hour on how amazing that fabric is. Oh my gosh, look at that fabric. It's the nicest fabric I've ever... Feel that, feel that, girls. This would make a lovely dress, don't you think? And everyone in the family is going, "Uh uh-huh. My mum, my mum was torn because my mum taught us certain types of manners. Like you say please and thank you. Like if you can't say something nice, you you write it on Facebook instead. That's right, that's right. That's true. Some people do that. And, uh, and before you go through a door, you read the push-pull sign. That's very important. But then... 
you open it and you let anyone following you go in first. It's called manners, right? You're sitting on the bus and there's no more seats and someone is standing and what do you do? You, you take their wallet out of their pocket and you put it. You stand up and you give them your seat. And the other one mum taught us was when someone gives you a gift, the only appropriate response is to say, kids, here's a tip for you. Adults love polite children. Let's, let's take a vote. If you're an adult in the room and you love polite children, put up your hand. Now, I'm going to give you children a secret that has served me well for my 40 years of life. Are you ready for it? If you act thankful for gifts, people give you more presents. But if you act not grateful, they don't want you to have any next time. True? And all the adults said? Because the only appropriate response to a gift is to say, thank you. Well, at Christmas we gather in worship like this because we want you to feast with your family. We want you to have that ham and that turkey and that baked vegan soy, not turkey. We want you to have that. But we gather together as God's people and you as our guest if you've joined us this morning for the first time. We gather together in recognition of a great gift that God gave the human race, called himself. Came to learn our language, to eat our food, to walk our highways and byways, to dwell among us, to feel our pains and identify with them and then die a sacrificial death so that we could engage in the great exchange. And the great exchange is this. Jesus says, I will die for you a death that you could not die and give you a life that you could not live without me giving it to you as a gift. And with that comes the hope of heaven. With that comes eternal life. With that comes this thing that for centuries Christians have called redemption, to be set free. And today I'm going to pray a prayer as I close the service to say thank you to God and thank you to Jesus. I wonder all over this room if you'd like to join me and stand on your feet today. We're so glad that you joined us this morning for our Christmas service. I'm going to close the service in prayer and then the band are going to lead us in one more song. Is that right? Yes, it's part of the plan. <laughs> and then you guys are going to go and be blessed. I believe we have some Christmas cookies for you to grab on the way out. I don't think they're gluten-free, so don't lick them if you're allergic. And uh, it's our guest. Thank you for joining us. I wonder if you'd bow your heads all over this room today and close your eyes as we join in prayer. If you're not the praying type, maybe this is one of the first times in your life that you would, with intentionality, pray a prayer. And that's okay. You don't have to be good at it. You say, Pastor Ben, I'm not religious. That's okay. We love those type of people. Pastor Ben, I don't like church. That's me too. Good on you. Then we're, we're, we're in the same company. Our Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for showing us your nature by sending God with us, Jesus Christ, who showed us not only through his speech and his teaching who you are, but through his actions and his love, his service, the lifestyle that he modelled that showed us the God kind of life. The death he died as a sacrifice that was a gift to us, an invitation to us to say yes to that invitation of life and turn to you in the great exchange swapping our brokenness and our frailty and our sin and our shame and our pain for your life and your love and your grace and your justice and your righteousness. And This morning, Lord, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been going to, no matter where we've been coming from this morning, we turn to you in our hearts and minds and we're conscious of your presence. We're conscious of your gift. And we simply say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen.
Merry Christmas, family. Thank you for joining us. Why don't we sing today as we go? We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.